0: Thank you for leading us today so well. Would you please give me grace and, and just uh, remain standing for the reading of God's Word today. I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read two verses from there, from verse 8. And today we want to talk about activating generational blessing. You know there's something sitting over your life. There's something sitting over our church. And we want to activate that. We want to walk in that. So today's message is really for you to be wise and to listen and to catch. Because it's important for you as a person. Because here's a truth that I want you to pick up. I'm going to say it several times. Your life is more than you think it is. God's got bigger plans for you. He's got bigger intentions for you. Your destiny in God is deeper and wider than you can imagine. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean to say you're going to end up on the TV. That doesn't even mean to say you might end up on TBN or or a Christian channel. What it does mean is, is God is going to build His kingdom through you And it will be for the saving of many lives. And it will change destinies around you. So when we read this scripture today, we started off the year talking about blessing, favor of God, the active attention of God. And now we need to walk in it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says it this way. By faith, I want to call you this year to stretch your faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went. Even though he did not know where he was going, he obeyed and he went. Even though he did not know. Where that would end up by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. How how many of you think sometimes when you're listening to the news and you're listening to their truth and you're listening to what the media tell us? Feels like we're foreigners. It feels like the old hymn that says, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. And I know for some people, they've used that kind of language to not take responsibility. And we need to take responsibility for our friends, our environment and everything that we are. And we need to be the most responsible people on the planet. But can I say to you, this world is not my home. I am only passing through. And one day... Let me tell you something right at the beginning of 2023. One day, we will see him, be like him, and spend the rest of eternity with him. Amen. Amen. Why don't you put some hope in your heart at the beginning of this year? By faith, he made his home in in the promised land, but he lived like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. And here's the word who were heirs with him of the same promise. There's so some promises spoken to your grandparents and in the history of this church that you've got to live in. For he was looking forward to a city whose foundations and the architect and builder was God. I wonder if you're looking forward to a city today or whether everything's just about the now. Please take your seats, but why don't you smile at somebody before you do? I don't know how you've started the year. I don't know how you've come into 2023. You know, there are some people who start the year, and I call them New Year Ninjas. Because they've already started the year, they've already made 15 goals, they've done four resolutions, they've been to the gym seven times, and they're saying, come on, bring on the new year, I'm ready, I'm able, I'm going for it. And you know those sort of people, they, you know, they break into the new year, and uh, just let me, I don't know whether you're one of those people, you know, you, you know you're just like, come on, I'm up for it. Let me just tell you, you're really annoying, <laughs> but you did give us hope, and we love you for your enthusiasm. Thank you for inspiring us. And then there's the other type of people who come into the new year. You know, they just show up. They went to work this week, and you went, I'm here. Okay? That's all you're getting. I'm here. Then we bless you. Thank you that you're here today and that, you know, you're, you're saying, you oh, know what, I don't feel like going to church today, but I am here, and it's been okay since I've got here. You know, you just show up. And we bless you for that because 90% of the Christian life show up. And God does something with people who show up. Can you hear an amen? amen. And then there are some people... They're actually sad. And actually, I want to use that in a technical way. SAD, seasonal affected disorder. It actually the winter affects them. And you know, the dark days get, you know, get to them and they just lowers their mood enough, you know. Waking up in the morning and it's dark, going to bed in the evening and it's dark, and you know, or coming home from work and it's dark. And they've got seasonal affected disorder. And maybe the most useful part of this message is right at the start, is that for those people, if you go out in the afternoon and walk in the daylight and look at the sky, it can kind of lift you. That, That life hack is free, by the way. But you might be one of those people. You've had a difficult time. But whatever you do to have started the year, I want to say to you, your life is more than you think. You know, God's given us so many friends and, and uh, blessings here at KT. Um, you know, it, it's just so important uh, that, that we recognize them. We've got two friends with us today Pastor and his wife, Charm. Uh, have I said that right? Pastor Douglas? <laughs> Dudley, Pastor Dudley. Yeah, you know Dudley? He's from Barnabas, St. Barnabas Church, North London. We just want to honor you, recognize you. Come on, let's welcome them into our <clears throat> Pastor Dudley and Chalmer. Have I said that right? Yeah, great. Yeah. So nice to have you with us. see, God's given us friends. He's given us supporters. He's given you friends. He's given you supporters. And you know, your life is more than about just you. How many of you how many of you know that 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 uh, uh, program called friends uh, you know uh, you know the repeats have been on so many times it's more than the original do you remember do you remember the, do you remember the theme tune I, let me play that for you do you ever remember this so no one told you that was going to be this way you know it's such a happy tune have you ever really read the verses? Have you, do you understand what it's saying? It's such a happy tune that sometimes you don't realize what you're singing over your life. And some of you have been singing the verses, but I want you to know Jesus wants to sing back the chorus to you. Let me read you the verse. So no one told you that life was going to be this way. Your job's a joke, you're broke, and your, love's a, your love life's DOA. It seems like you're always stuck in second gear when it hasn't been your day, your month, or even your year, or year or your month. Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) And then Jesus sings back, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like you've never been there before. I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. You know, You being there for Jesus doesn't matter whether he's going to be there for you. He's going to be there for you. Amen, church? But you know, Jesus wants to care for you individually. He does. He wants to speak into your life no matter how much you have uh, started the year. But as well as this individual care, your life is a part of something bigger. Your life is a part of something that is more than about you. And it's not that you aren't going to be looked after, but God wants to remind you that you've been part of things and you are part of something that's been growing over generations. This was true of Abraham, it's true of you. The the promises on Abraham were not just promises to him, it was a promise to his family, it was a promise to his son, his grandson. In fact, it became a promise to a nation. In fact, Abraham's promise broke out to the salvation of the whole world because it's more than just a promise to him. What was said to him was from grace. It was nothing that he earned. It was something that God just said, I love you, I'll bless you. And he speaks over your life. He says, I'm going to put blessings on your life that come from grace. His ability to follow those promises were from grace. Our ability to follow God is from grace. But nevertheless, it still took some obedience and some faith to walk in those promises promises there are three things to note about what Abraham did but you know what I'm just going to take off my jacket here because I'm feeling like I should really preach today is that okay with everybody else because you need to understand that God has got something for you today and it's going to take three things first of all it says of Abraham he obeyed and went He didn't just obey in his heart. He obeyed and put legs to it and went. Obedience always ends up in action, not just intention. Secondly, he allowed for the faith factor. By faith, he made his home there. And actually, we talk about the promised land, but the third thing is, it was unfamiliar to him. He lived as a stranger, intense, and it required learning. Three things to walk in a blessing that God gives you. Obedience, faith, and some learning. Some unfamiliar territory. Can I just say this to you really Honestly, and, and can you receive kind of mature teaching at the start of the year? with every new leader that comes to a church, the season changes. And seasons change, and your seasons changed. and seasons change in our lives all the time, and we have to begin to say, well, if this season's changed, What's the obedience point? What's the faith stretch? And what's the learning that I need to receive? And I wonder in 2023, whether you'll say, obedience, faith, and learning. I'm going to give myself to those three things because that's how we walk in the blessings that God gives us. You see, when God blesses us, it's the same for us God's blessings, it's not that they come with a catch, you know, I'll bless you, but it's that actually God's blessings on your life is not just about raising your current status to a more favorable position, but it's actually moving you to a destiny. It's bringing you to more of what he has and more of his will. God can bless you, and that may improve your current status, but his blessings actually move you to a destiny. Just as there can be family resemblances, you know, my younger daughter, she favors me in in looks, which is really sad for her. She's had a really hard life. Whereas my older daughter favours Kathy a little bit more. So her life has just been a blessing, you know. But, you know, I, I look around here and I see some family members together. And, and uh, you know, isn't it funny how men, uh, like how husbands and wives, start to look like each other. You know, they start dressing with the same staff. And, you know, they're not some of the same family. They start resembling each other. The really sad thing is, is if they have a dog, then the dog starts looking like them. And they... <laughs> but there's a real thing, isn't there, about family resemblance, you know. Did you know it's the same spiritually, that actually that blessing can flow down generationally? That blessing can flow horizontally? That actually the favor that we walk in, can, we can receive from others as well, the blessing of Abraham went down to his son, and it actually went down to his grandson. And although this was by grace, it took them the same obedience and faith and learning in order to walk in that blessing. It's going to take the same from us, too, from any blessings that flow down to us. Let me show you this from the scripture. If you turn to Genesis chapter 26 and we look at verse 3. Let me read to you what God said to Isaac, Abraham's son. He said this, Stay in the land for a while and I will be with you to bless you. Now there was a famine in the land. It was hard in the land. There was a stretch. It wasn't a good place. But he said, stay in the land and I will bless you. And stay in the land for a while. And I will be with you, and I will bless you, for to you and your descendants, I will give these lands and confirm the oath that I swore to you, Father Abraham, and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. He said to Isaac what he said to Abraham, but there was an obedience point. I want you to stay here even though there's a famine. And through your offspring, the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me in everything uh, and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions uh, are to you to stay here in Gerar, which is the Philistine place of the land. For Abraham, it was a call to go. For Isaac... It was a call to stay. But it's the same principle. It was still consistent in these three things. Obedience, stay even though there's a famine. Faith, you've got to believe that God will provide for you in the midst of the the famine. And unfamiliarity, Gerar was a place where the Philistines lived and he had to live under uh, Abimelech's reign there. So it was an unfamiliar place. So there was obedience, faith, and learning. Now this year, if you want to walk in the favor of God, there will be some obedience points where you say, I've just got to do that. There will be some faith stretch where you say, I've got to lay that out there and let God uh, fill in the gap. And there'll be some unfamiliar learning. There'll be some kind of places in our lives where we say, I've got to learn this. Let me take you to Jacob. Now, this is going down a generation. Abraham, obedience, faith, learning. Isaac, obedience, faith, learning. Let me take you to Jacob, his grandson. So we're two generations down now. And Jacob says this in Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. Stay with me there in your Bible. Oh God uh, then Jacob prayed, "Oh God my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, Lord, you have said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper." Now by this time in the story, um, Jacob is living out of the land and he's done really well. But now God says, "I want you to be obedient and go back." to where you're supposed to be. And it was uh, Abraham was called to go to the land. Isaac was called to stay in the land. And here we see Jacob is called to go back to the land and obey, even though it was dangerous for him because he didn't know how his brother was going to react. Obedience. Faith and learning. It was the same obedience, it was the same faith, the same unfamiliarity. I wonder today if, you know, you want church to be just the same as it always will be. And obviously some things will be solid and and we'll keep going and some things don't change. And I'll talk about those things at a moment. But I wonder today if you can go on a learning journey this year I know you might not, some of you may have not your engines running yet, but I wonder if I could call you to say, I wonder if there's some faith for you to stretch into this year. I wonder if there's a point of obedience. Pastor Tony Evans says this the, the opposite of faith is not doubt, the opposite of faith is disobedience. Faith always means if you're stepping out for God, that you're also stepping into a very obedient place. I wonder if you can have the same learning journey into unfamiliar territory. Where you say, you know what, I I don't really know this landscape. That's what happened to Abraham. He went to the promised land. It It wasn't familiar to him, but he learned to live there. Isaac had to stay in the promised land, and he lived in an unfamiliar place. Jacob had to go back into the promised land and learn again how to live there. You see, if we're going to receive generational blessing, if we're going to receive our sense of God's favor and progress this year, we've got to build those things into our lives. And just as Isaac and Jacob had to steward the grace that was flowing down to them, So the same is true with us. You've got to be a steward of what God wants to place on your life. You've got to manage that. Abraham had to be a steward of the grace on him. We have to be a steward that wants to overflow on our church. I would say in my life that I was an Abraham in my family. None of my parents or my grandparents went to church. I wasn't brought up in church. That actually, I got saved by going to an RE class at school and a school teacher witnessing to me. I'm not sure that's allowed today, sadly. But I became a Christian that way. And I was a breakthrough person for my family, the first in many generations. And you might be that too. Or you might have been brought up in a Christian family and you might have been dragged to church. But look at you now. You're blessed. And even though church will be a little bit different than, than what it was for your parents and even though that may be the case, the same principles still come about is that God is going to build into your life a point of obedience where he says, will you do this? God is going to push forward and say, can you step out in faith? And God is going to make an environment where you say, you know what? This is a new season. I'm going to have to learn it. I've learned so many things in the past. I wonder if you're the sort of person that doesn't want to translate into a new season. Then the blessing of God doesn't activate in your life. It takes obedience and faith. To step out into the blessing of God. If you look at Hebrews chapter eleven, I, I used to, as I was growing up, I used to read 1 Corinthians 13 one, uh, one day, and the Hebrews eleven on another day. You should read them alternate days. Love and faith, but in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter eleven, if you look at it, faith, is seeing the unseen, and and I just wonder if, almost by revelation today. I can get you to begin to breathe a prayer and say, God, let me see what you can see. God, let me believe what you already see in my future. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says we hope for what we do not see. Verse 3 says that what is made is seen out of what is in, is made out of what's invisible. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says God rewards those who seek him. Verse 7 says that Noah was warned about the things that he did not see. Can you imagine Noah he says it's going to rain. Noah says what's rain? It's going to flood. What's a flood? Build an ark. What's an ark? You see, you've got to begin to see what you can't see. Begin to believe and say, well, God, whatever you've got for me, I receive it by faith. Come on, can I speak to your heart today? Can I encourage you on this first uh, part of the new year? Come on, put something in your heart that says, I want to embrace some things. Verse 10 says that, Abraham was looking for a city and a builder, an architect that was God. He could see beyond the tents to the building of the city. Verse eight says he didn't know where he was going, but he went anyway. Verse thirteen says faith that people saw things from a distance and welcomed them. You know, this morning we were singing that joy comes in the morning. Welcome it. Come on, welcome your future. Say, come on, Lord, bring it into my present. Come on, pray with me. So I'm welcoming the things that. Things from afar off. Verse 14 says that Joseph spoke about the Exodus, and verse 16 says they were looking for a new country. Moses was looking for a, a, a better reward. Moses saw what was invisible, verse 26 of Hebrews 11 says. See, faith is that where you say, God, I want to see the unseen. I want to believe that you have it as a reality. I'm bringing it into my heart. And you may not see it straight away, but can I ask you today to be a people that say, I want to exercise my faith. I wonder if you could see what our church could be. I wonder whether we could see it through the eyes of faith. I'm always very worried about myself and about us who are but it's a little bit mature that we've pigeonholed what God can do instead of saying, God, do anything you want to do with us. Can I hear an amen, church? Come on, church. I want to say to you that the blessing over our church will take it, will need to be activated. We cannot just say, at the start of this year, well, we are KT. And, and yeah, of course, there's, there's a blessing in, in all what God has done here. But I wonder whether we can be a bit more humble and say, you know what, God, we want to activate that which you want to do. It's going to take five things to activate God's blessing for us as a church. And let me just say these really quickly. Number one, we as a church, we've got to be open to the Spirit. Amen, church? We've got to say, Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us the way that you want to move amongst us? We, we as individuals have got to say, uh, we agree with First, First Thessalonians 5 verse 19 where it says, Do not quench the Spirit. The Bible tells us, let the Holy Spirit have His way. And if we want to activate the blessings that was, was in the past, but also we want to walk in, in them now, that we say we will not quench the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean to say we'll, we'll become freaky, but that means, Lord, we're open. Secondly, if we want to activate blessings in our church, there must be unity amongst us. How many of you have read the Scripture that unity is where God commands his blessing. That God looks at his blessing and then looks at where unity is and then says to his blessing, go there. He commands the blessing. Paul, writing to the Corinthians at the end of his letter, said this in verse thirteen, uh, chapter 13, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. I'm going to talk about restoration next week. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And what will be the result? And the God of love and peace will be with you. We cannot expect the presence of God if we as a church cannot be unified. We have to not be in silos and say, you know, I'm in this group, you're in that group, but never the two shall meet. We have to come together as a family. Are you okay with me speaking to you as a pastor at the start of this year? We have to be a family. In fact, the Bible also says that church unity must be around the leaders. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. You need to gather around your leaders. In the history of our church, if you don't know the history of our church, there's a man named George Jeffries, and the congregation gathered around him in many healing crusades. And the Lord broke out. And, and uh, downstairs in our basement, there were, there were kind of wheelchairs and crutches found because there were so many when they dug it out. And then there was a pastor in our church called Elding Corsi, and Eldin built a foundation of pastoralness and, and got the congregation together. I don't know whether there's anybody here from Elding Corsi's days. And then, of course, there was the dynamic Wynne Lewis who was controversial, but people gathered around him as the church planting movement started. And then, of course, there was Pastor Colin and people gathered around his teaching and biblical ministry. Can I just say to you, And I'm not ashamed to call out for it that Kathy and I expect the same unity around us for a new season. Amen, church. Because unity around the leaders and around each other, that the worship team is unified, that the children's work is unified, that the group leaders are unified, that we're all pulling on the same team and cheering for each other's heart, that that's where the blessing of God lives. That's where we activate it. Thirdly, if we are to activate the blessings of the past, we need to build not just prayer meetings, and those, those are important, and we build culture by meetings, but we need to build a strong prayer culture in our lives. This year... 2023, it's hardly got going, but why don't you decide, I'm going to pray a bit more. Church, I'm going to pray a bit more. In fact, First Thessalonians five verse 17 says, "Pray continually. that actually if we want to activate the blessings of God, that we have to build a prayer culture that's important amongst us. Now, our prayer meetings are going to be important. We need you to come out on Wednesday nights, uh, on Wednesday, but actually we're going to shift our prayer culture to Sunday evenings. And that for those many of you who come, for the 10 weeks of the J. John meetings, we're going to build our Sunday evenings to be strongly prayer-focused and build a prayer, a prayer foundation there. So, don't... I'm not just talking about meetings, though. It's talking about building a prayer culture in all of our lives. That will activate the blessing of God. Fourthly, we will activate the blessings from the past and break new ground. If we break new ground evangelistically or sharing our faith with others. And I said earlier, it's a really important thing. You might not be able to bring somebody to a meeting, but by you coming, you add to the strength and presence in that meeting, but prayer, care, and share will be a a real mode of being able to break new ground this year, and so why don't you try it? In fact, why don't you this week say, I'm going to share my faith." Let me tell you about one time with me. Um, my two brothers are not Christians. My, my brother, Neil, came to the church that I got saved in, and he was kind of into it, and then he left before I came in. He said, we had some sort of spirituality. My other brother is, is not really a Christian at all. And uh, I decided, and my mother was not a Christian, and I decided, I've not witnessed to them. What if, what if I'm the person who's supposed to witness to them? I want to tell you, I bought them some Christian books. And I shared the gospel with my brother, my brother Neil, my brother Paul, in the most wooden, awkward fashion. And, you know, I went, I'm glad that's over, but I did it. And and you know what? I understand that that's difficult. And you may not get to share all of your faith, but how many of you think that you could invite somebody to something? Let me share with you this. I was sent a note over Christmas time, and it's both joyful and sad at the same time. Jill uh, was a member of my congregation, and she wrote to me and said this Hi, Mark, it's Jill. I wanted to let you know that Keith, which is her husband, he died on the 20th of December. His illness was very quick, only seven to eight months. He died as he lived, with, with peace, gentleness, and dignity. He, he was a gentleman. And then she names her children. Me and my children had the opportunity to nurse him here at home, and it was a privilege. Such, a, such is a man with, with a rare witness. His witness, uh, as he spoke to folks, was this. I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. My faith is strong. Thank you. And then this is what she said to me. Thank you that on that day you invited him to do the Alpha course. He accepted the invitation. My love to you and the family, Jill. I didn't lead Keith to the Lord. All I did was invite him to the course. The Alpha team did the witnessing. They took him away, prayed with him. He got saved through that. My was just to go and visit him in his home and say, Hey, Keith, Jill's so committed to the church. Why don't you come along? And he said, Pastor, I'll give it a try. I wonder if in the next few years you could get a note to you that said, thank you so much for inviting my friend because now their life has changed. Is if we're going to activate the blessings of the past, We need to understand that we need to break new ground evangelistically. And you may not do everything, but just by inviting somebody, it really helps. Last thing is, is if we're going to activate the blessings of the past, this church has always been a training and equipping church. And I wonder if, remember what I said, there were three things, obedience, faith, and then going on a learning journey. I wonder if you could come to just 10. You'll learn some things that you've never heard before that will be good training and equipping for you. But then I wonder, as we go through the year, you'll begin to say, I want to be equipped. I want to be trained so that I can live in ministry. You know what? I think we should be really thankful for our past. I think we should be thankful for the way that God has led our church. And if we want to activate those blessings, we've got to be open to the Spirit again, church. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back, if they will. We've got to begin to be open to the Spirit and say whatever you want. We've got to be in unity. And I'm going to ask you to physically be in unity in a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand together, shoulder together, shoulder to shoulder, come across the aisles. Huddle up a bit and just for a moment express our unity physically that God wants us to be spiritually. If we're going to activate blessings, you've got to begin to say, I forgive those family members. And be in unity in the home. Because unity is where God commands His blessing. You've got to begin to strive for unity at your workplace. But it's so important in the church. We've got to build a prayer culture this year. And we've got to break new ground by even if you think somebody's going to reject you, invite them anyway. Let me say that again. Even if you think somebody's going to reject you, invite them anyway. Amen, church? Because Jesus was a man of sorrows rejected by men, but he saved the world. He saved the world. He wasn't so much into, well, man, I don't know whether they like me or not, is that he said, I love you enough to go out on a limb for you. And then if we're going to activate the blessings of God, we've got to say, you know what, I need to learn some things this year and grow in my maturity. Would you please stand with me? <clears throat> And like I said, you know, we need to be really thankful for our past. But let's walk in a way that releases the blessing of God in our day. This is true for us and it's true for you. If you want to walk in the blessing of God, it will be true for you as you walk in faith, obedience, and some new learning. Can I ask this little block here? Can you just shuffle along to this block here and kind of stand shoulder to shoulder with them? But actually, while you're doing that, can this block here, can you shuffle along to the middle? So it means you're going to do lots of shuffling. Can you just shuffle and huddle together? Can I ask this block here, can you shuffle along and go shoulder to shoulder with your brothers and sisters here? Can I ask you, everybody in the middle, to just take a step closer to one another? Don't breathe on anybody, but just put your shoulder together. And you in the balcony, can you kind of huddle up and, you know, don't hug anybody, but just go shoulder to shoulder. Can you just move in a bit? Is that all right? (laughs) It's all right. Because God wants you in unity. He wants you to be a family And today we're all into our personal space and our personal rights. And sometimes we need to just lay that down and say, I want to do where the blessing of God is. Come on, lift your hand with me. Can I encourage you? I know this has been a slightly challenging message, but can I encourage you this year? God has something for your life this year. He's got a deeper destiny. He's got more blessing for you. He wants to put his favor on you. I know you may be struggling at the moment, but God has his favor. And he has his favor for our church. He has his favor for you as an individual. Come on, somebody call it out with me. Lord Jesus, bring your blessing to Kensington Temple. In fact, this is not a selfish prayer, this is a dangerous prayer. Would you pray it out loud with me? Bless Kensington Temple, Lord. Come on, say it out loud with me. Bless Kensington Temple, Lord. Lord, bless Kensington Temple. Come on, pray it again. God bless Kensington Temple. Because you know what Kensington Temple is? It's you. It's me, it's us. It's not this building, it's you and me. Bless us, Lord. In order to be in that blessing, we're going to have to walk in obedience. We're going to have to have some faith. We're going to have to stretch and we're going to have to learn some things. It's always true that when a new leader comes, the season changes. It's true about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus came the Pharisees couldn't handle it cuz the season changed. When well, the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost, he raised up Peter and Paul and the season changed. It was the same when Moses stepped into leadership the season changed. When Abraham stepped out into leadership the season changes. Are you ready for a new season Katie? Come on somebody give him a clap offering. And the blessing of God is bigger than Kathy and I's leadership. It's bigger than anybody else. It's down to Him and His grace. But I tell you what, church, I want to walk into His grace this year. And Anything you want to do, Lord, in our lives, in our church, Lord, we want to say together, we embrace it, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name.